It's WNRI's Upfront. The opinions expressed represent those only of the panel and callers and do not reflect the views of WNRI and its owners. Telephone lines are now open at 7690600. And now, let's join the Upfront panel. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Upfront program for this uh, Wednesday morning. Roger Bouchard here, as we have been since 1983. Oh, Maybe that's too long. <laughs> nice to have you along with us. As you're a regular listener to the program, you're aware that we've been interviewing the congressional candidates. And um, there are a whole bunch of them on the Democrat side and, um, and only two on the Republican side. Next week, we're going to get to the Republicans. We've done uh, most of the Democrats. I think uh, we only have, uh, after our interview today with John, we only have uh, one more, de- uh, no, two more Democrat candidates to do and uh, then we'll uh, we'll wait for the uh, results of the primary on September the 5th and if you'd like to uh, meet and greet some of the candidates here in Woonsocket WNRI radio station and the Valley Breeze newspaper are teaming up and we will have a meet and greet here in Woonsocket and uh, this could be a little bit different it's not a forum it's not a debate uh, we actually uh, copied the idea from the First Unitarian Church in Providence. They had a meet and greet uh, a few months ago, and I talked to the organizers there, and they said this is a nice way for the candidates in a very informal uh, setting to uh, meet the voters uh, of the 1st Congressional District and chat with them face-to-face, one-on-one. So we're going to have one in Woonsocket, 6, um, 6 o'clock to 7.30 on Wednesday night, uh, the uh, 30th of August, and uh most of the candidates have uh, signed in uh, to uh, to be there, and we certainly hope you'll be there to uh, meet the candidate. What we'll do at the beginning is we'll uh, say, um, uh, Sabina Matos, so she's, uh, she's signed in. Uh, raise your hand, please, and then everybody, if they want to go talk to her. Or uh, Don Carlson, raise your hand, please, that so you can go over and talk to him if you want. So that'll be later in the, um, in the month. But today, we have um, one of our uh, regular interviews, and we're going to uh, welcome to the phone. Pull him in right now, John Gonzalez, Providence City Council member, but more than anything else, candidate for Congress in the 1st Congressional District. How are you doing today, John? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, Roger. It is a pleasure to have you. I uh, listened uh, with um, interest about six weeks ago when um, Ian Donis uh, interviewed you on public radio, and uh, that was um, my first um, exposure to uh, to you as a uh, individual and uh, and also uh, some of your politics. And um, Ian, uh, Ian uh, gave me permission to use uh, some sound bites uh, from that interview. So. This um, voice that you're hearing, probably if you're a regular listener to WNRI, not the first time you've heard his voice because we've played sound bites. And after this interview, maybe we'll pull a few sound bites from this and play you uh, tomorrow and the next day. So let's get to John Gonsalves. First of all, what I usually do with, with the uh, candidates, John, is ask for a little biographical sketch. I know you're a Rhode Island guy, and you'll tell our audience uh, all about your um, Rhode Island history. Absolutely. So Rhode Island born and bred. My name is John Gonsalves. I'm a two-term city councilman serving as the senior deputy majority leader representing the east side and downtown in the city of Providence. And ultimately, I'm running for Congress to put people first. I'm a teacher. 
and the only candidate who has spent nearly the last decade as a elementary school teacher, in fact, and I'll get big things done to improve childcare education for our kids and families. But the story of struggle and resilience here in Rhode Island is my story. I'm the son of immigrants. I grew up in a single-parent household. And as a teacher, I, I truly believe that your zip code should determine your destiny. When I was 12, in fact, uh, my mom would go around to every single event that then Mayor Cicilline was having. And she advocated for me to get into a school. She'd say, you know, Mayor, please help my son get into the school. Mayor, please help my son get into the school. Mayor, please help my son get into the school. He finally threw up his hands and said, let's help this woman's son get into this school. And that's the kind of resistance that I've experienced uh, my entire life. You know, despite growing up in poverty, I was lucky enough to get a good education from Providence Public Schools from K through 8. And then I went to Wheeler from 9 through 12 and then Brown University for undergrad and grad school. I moved away for a couple of years where I was involved in education, but also uh, involved in in politics at the local but also national level, helping uh, mayors get elected, but also uh, helping folks like Senator Amy Klobuchar. Uh, and I'm uh, one of the few candidates who was born and raised in Rhode Island in CD1. And aside from, again, a few short years in Minnesota, I've, I've lived in the district for, for nearly 30 years. And I'm truly rooted in community as a longtime teacher and public servant. And most importantly, my track record as a municipal elected official really speaks for itself. Uh, I've actually been elected before uh, in one of the most competitive districts in the state, which is uh, very different than some of my competitors who haven't been elected. And I have a strong track record of legislative experience and success, having been the lead sponsor on dozens and dozens of pieces of past legislation at the local level. I've solved thousands and thousands of constituent service issues on the ground, and uh, I know what it means to struggle. Uh, I've, I've lived the experiences that many talk about, uh, so it's not theoretical for me. I'm working class. I, you know, suffered from poverty. Um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm someone who's faced discrimination, and as an underdog, I've always fought for the underdog, and as your next congressman, I'm going to fight to you. Uh, bring federal funding back to the state. I'm going to fight for uh, economic opportunity and education for Rhode Island. I'm going to fight for uh, the things that we really care about. And uh, ultimately, I'm going to fight for our children, families, and seniors, as I've done on the ground uh, in my district. So I will be ready on day one. I hope to earn the listener's support today, and I hope that they'll ultimately send a, a teacher and a legislator to Washington. John Gonzalez is our guest here on WNRI. If you're just tuning in, candidate for Congress, 1st Congressional District, and uh, you can um, ask a question via email up front at WNRI.com. If we get it, uh, we'll uh, throw it John's way. A couple of questions uh, at the beginning of the program having to do with items in the news. And uh, so um, the first item is that incident in downtown Providence yesterday. And the only reason I'm bringing it up, it's not a federal issue. But on the other hand, public safety is something that you do have as one of your issues in your campaign. And I was just wondering, A, whether you were uh, in the area at the time that happened when uh, they had to uh, evacuate City Hall. And um, how much um, a 
congressperson in Washington can do to help a state like Rhode Island uh, on public safety issues like you know, enough police or do we have uh, do we have uh, enough uh, well you're you're going to answer that right now first of all were you there yesterday I was not there good uh, <laughs> But, but I was I was very very concerned. Obviously, I, I spend a lot of time in City Hall uh, because that's that's where I, I do my work. And uh, I uh, called in to our chief of staff and just made sure that everyone was safe. And uh, I also, you know, reached out to our district lieutenant to make sure that everything was safe. So I represent downtown in the city of Providence, and I think uh, that that's what is critically important we have to communicate with each other and um it, it is a great partnership that we have with our police department they did a great job yesterday and i think it's it's testament to the importance of public safety in every single community uh far too often these events happen and when you have a strong uh public safety or municipal police department they can respond very quickly, and that's exactly what the Providence Police Department did uh, yesterday. So I'm, I'm thrilled just to share that uh, it, it seemed to be a false alarm, um, but this is, it's a scare that we need to take very, very seriously, and I think that's exactly what, what was done. With regards to uh, just policing broadly um, in communities all across the state, uh, public safety is a prerequisite to having a great, sustainable community. Uh, I think that we ultimately need to have safe streets. We need to have clean streets. I'm a quality of life guy, and that's uh, the work that I've always done at the local level. In fact, you know, I authored um, in, in collaboration with hundreds of constituents across the city of Providence a 40-plus page quality of life plan. And it talks about what we can do to address basic quality of life issues with real, concrete, specific solutions. And that's the approach that I always take. I'm about solving problems. Uh, it's why I've been, again, the, the sponsor on, on so many great pieces of legislation. I've, I've ushered and authored and, and been the lead sponsor on, on that legislation because I'm about getting stuff done. And I think that's what our constituents deserve. And that's the kind of energy and leadership that I will bring to Washington. We're going to ask you one more in the news question, and then we'll take a break. And then we'll come back and talk about uh, federal issues. Uh, and because you are running for Congress, uh, you're going to be in Washington, and you're going to be among 434 other legislators uh, from across the country working on federal issues. And, of course, as they say, uh, I think the expression bringing home the bacon for Rhode Island in terms of uh, of federal dollars to the state of Rhode Island will be uh, one of your jobs. We'll get to that after we take our break. But our question before the break is the story in the news. And um, this is good. This is a tough one because um, since the Sabina Mathos story broke, um, some of the candidates have been uh, rather uh, critical of her, like uh, when Aaron uh, Regenberg was here, who's he was a pretty strong uh, critic, and Don Carlson, when he was here, a pretty strong critic. However, you have worked with Sabina Matos on the council, and um, she's, uh, 
she's a candidate, uh, and so this is a, a tricky one, I would think, for, for you. We'll find out. So the Board of Elections voted yesterday to review all the campaign signatures. I'm not going to get into that story. I just want to get your reaction as to how Sabina Mathos has handled this and, and whether there's anything critical uh, that uh, uh, is in the offering or whether she was a victim of one of her own campaign workers. Well, I, like everyone else I talk to, am deeply troubled by this signature scandal. It's a stain on our democracy, and it truly undermines our electoral process. It undermines wholeheartedly the, the credibility of our candidacy, and, uh, and we need to have confidence in this electoral process. So this incident is really, really unfortunate. I think the board made the correct decision to review those signatures, and uh, sure, Sabina was a colleague of mine on the Providence City Council, but uh, there have been many instances where we have disagreed on policy. Uh, I remember vividly when I was uh, a few years ago when she tried to uh, shift more taxation burden on my east side neighbors, and we fought back and we won. Uh, so I'm, I'm always willing to stand up to what is wrong, and uh, this is completely wrong and it needs to be addressed and unfortunately it's looming over this uh this this entire campaign for for all of the candidates uh and so i i support the measures that are being taken uh to uh, ensure that there's accountability and uh it, it's the right thing to do kudos to the board of watching for uh for making sure that we're responding to the will of the people and uh, launching a review on the signature submitted by the Montos campaign. So um, uh, you're kind of letting uh, the um, the agencies, uh, Board of Elections, uh, the Attorney General for the limited role that he will play, and uh, even uh, I've seen some Rhode Island State Police uh, investigative uh, issues concerning this. You're going to let them uh, take its um, take its role, but I'm I think I'm hearing you say that you are holding her at least accountable for campaign work is, uh, I think you're suggesting, but I don't want to put words in your mouth, that if you run a campaign and you have people working for you, you've got to keep uh, over, oversight over them. Absolutely. I mean, the, the buck stops with the campaign. Um, and uh, if, if they had folks who were doing the wrong thing, uh, they need to be held accountable. And look, I, campaigns are big operations. I understand that. There's so many moving parts, but ultimately this is a big big misstep and it's i mean it's it's a slap in the face to the voters we need to restore public's trust in the electoral process and this completely undermines that thank you john if you can hold a few moments so uh, we have to pay a few bills here in northern rhode island and then we'll get back to you and uh, we'll get to uh, some of the uh, federal issues that uh, that voters are looking for you uh, to uh, comment on and see what position you hold so uh, if you could hold it for a few seconds we'll be right back to you okay Sure thing. Okay. John Gonzalez on our live line right now here on WNRI. Right now, we're going to check in with Hunter Insurance in Lincoln. When it comes to purchasing insurance, we make it easy at Hunter Insurance. If you've been driving all around the Insurance. We're gonna make it real easy. 
see us today and save. We're gonna make it real easy. Easy so that you can get the deal that you're looking for. We're the ones you can count on at Hunter Insurance. We have years of experience providing insurance, sales, service, and satisfaction in the area. Our staff of courteous, friendly professionals make it real easy because we explain all the details of your coverage and the cost so you know what to expect. If you have a loss, place your auto and homeowner's policies with Hunter Insurance, the best insurance value in Northern Rhode Island. Call 769-9500. Thank you. And you know what uh, the best thing about Wednesday is? It's another opportunity Wednesday through Sunday to dine at the beautiful Colonel Blackington Inn. Welcome to the historic Colonel Blackington Inn in Attleboro. We're open for dining at 4 p.m. Wednesday through Sunday. Our famous brunch every Sunday, 11 to 3. Function room always available for your special event. Time to enjoy an upscale experience at the historic Colonel Blackington Inn, 203 North Main Street in Attleboro. Reservation suggested at 508-222-6022. Colonel Blackington Inn, open tonight, Wednesday, Wednesday through Sunday. Checking in with Lisa at Community Care Alliance, Woonsocket. At Community Care Alliance, our 500 employees are passionate about strengthening lives. Right now, we have job openings that give you the opportunity to build a stronger community with us. We hire every level in multiple disciplines. We offer competitive salaries, a comprehensive benefit package, including generous vacation, sick time, holidays, and competitive medical and dental coverage. Find out more at www.communitycareri.com or by calling 401-235-7458. Your life experience could contribute to the riches and qualities of care that we provide. Our interview with John Gonzalez will return in 30 seconds. Kayer Kosher, your accounting, financial planning, tax preparation, and business consulting services of Woonsocket and Warwick. 600 Cass Avenue, Woonsocket, Jefferson Boulevard, and Warwick. Call us locally at 766-8100. Remember, outside of the tax season, we do planning for business, individuals, and families. We're Kayer Kosher. We're certified public accountants. Again, our local number, 766-8100. And remember, having Kayer Kosher to consult with on your Personal financial situation is like having all the right answers. You're listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. The Upfront program continuing on WNRI AM 1380, WNRI FM 99.9, and WNRI internet service at WNRI.com. All over the world, John Gonsalves is on our live line. We're chatting with him about the uh, issues of the day. And um, here's a, yet another story that ties into a federal uh, story, John. Uh, just making sure uh, you're there. Everything good and having a good time, I hope. Okay. Yes. <laughs> All right. So um, the next story um, uh, we read in the news, drivers are reminded to seek alternative routes due to some uh, ramp closures on Route 146 in Lincoln. That's the local news story. And the bigger news story is that uh, the state of Rhode Island is fixing up Route 146, the big connector highway between northern Rhode Island and uh, your great city of Providence. And in your, um, in your campaign uh, literature, you talk about the broken state infrastructure. And, and one of the things that um, I think uh, those who uh, travel the byways of Rhode Island say uh, is, is our highways. Now, I realize the Department of Transportation the state of Rhode Island, that's their job. But so much of the money comes from the federal government. So talk, 
to us about what you think broken state infrastructure is and tie it in to being in Washington in one of those 435 seats. John Gonzalez. Absolutely. I think one of the critical things that we have to work on is bringing federal funding back to Rhode Island, and it means fixing and maintaining our broken state infrastructure. We all know that our infrastructure isn't working in Rhode Island. When you go to other municipalities, cities, and towns and states, you see beautiful roads that people can traverse. That is not the case in Rhode Island. So we need to make this one of our priorities. And I think it's also connected to uh, climate change. We have to address the infrastructure or the floods that we have seen recently in cities and towns all across our, uh, our state. And if we don't act right now, it's only going to get worse. It's really unfortunate to see the reality on the ground here in Rhode Island. At the local level, I have been staunch about uh, trying to get as much resources in the pipeline for infrastructure, uh, particularly in the city of Providence, for example. We have a $3.7 million line item to help fix our roads, to help fix some of our sidewalks. But again, it's a drop in the bucket. So uh, our federal government needs to uh, ensure that we're getting more of those resources to cities and towns so we can finally fix our broken state infrastructure. Tying in one of the stories in the news uh, to uh, being a congressperson, here's the story. A new accusation is being made against former Massachusetts National Guardsman Jack Texera, the native of, of, uh, of Dighton, arrested back in April and has remained in custody for leaking classified information on the Internet. All right, now here's the question. When Congressman uh, Langevin was in, uh, in place in the second congressional district, uh, he became one of the leading experts in the nation because of his long tenure in the Rhode Island, uh, in, in the um, federal uh, House of Representatives, on Internet cyber safety. And so, now to John Gonsalves. Um, are you... Uh, are you a t tech guy? Are you an Internet guy? And cybersecurity, I think, is one of the big national issues uh, coming down. Artificial intelligence is coming our way. This is a big federal issue, and I wonder whether you're going to try to get involved in that. Oh, absolutely. I'm glad that you asked this question because we're not talking about it as much as we should on the campaign trail. And I get it. It's, it's an issue that many Americans don't understand particularly well, but it's, it's here. Uh, artificial intelligence is alive and well, and is someone who cares deeply about technology and uh, understanding technology is something that we need to uh, be very mindful of. I think we should not stifle innovation, but we also need uh, a balance in terms of regulation to ensure that uh, there are some uh, checks on, on some of the growth around artificial intelligence, and we need to do it in a very thoughtful way. Uh, it's why I think at the federal level we should create an office for artificial intelligence. I think we should be thinking about licensing artificial intelligence and ensuring that there are testing requirements for it. And I also think we need to protect the civil liberties of folks. So 
the growth of artificial intelligence and also the selling of people's data to third parties is something that needs to be regulated. And uh, we need to be proactive about these issues. I've always been a proactive legislator at the local level. A perfect example is our right to charge law, which allows us to build out our electric vehicle infrastructure. We just opened up, uh, you know, we announced uh, about a week ago, a, a great facility that's coming to Providence with uh, with Tesla, and uh, that right to charge law is a law that enables that kind of infrastructure. And you have to have legislators who think about the future, because you can leverage critical federal funds that you can bring back to your municipality or bring back to your state. And that's the kind of guy that I am. I think about the future. I think about where we're going. I think about how we can address and mitigate some of the challenges before us. Just a point of interest on my part. I don't know if you want to comment, but sometimes I think we invite our own trouble. I was just making a reservation for a hotel the other day. And uh, before I could finish it off, uh, it showed me a whole bunch of things that I had to accept. I didn't read them. I went down, checked it off. I accepted it. <laughs> I go on the Internet. Uh, uh, you accept cookies? Oh, yeah. I, accept, I don't even know what a cookie is. Point is that um, Internet uh, and cybersecurity uh, is something that uh, if somebody isn't up to speed on this issue, John, uh, I hope that uh, they will get up to it, on, onto it. Are you going to, if elected in Washington, ask uh, the, um, the, uh, the leadership in the Democrat Party to uh, get you on some kind of a, of a committee for uh, cybersecurity? Oh, I would love that, in fact. I think uh, it's, it's right up my alley. I think there are a lot of great leaders out there. I'm, I'm a Brown alum, and, and I think uh, someone who is very interesting around uh, these issues is, is Andrew Yang. I think he was he talked a lot about it uh, during during his campaign when other uh, candidates focused on, you know, kitchen table issues, which is, uh, those are very important, but we also have to be thinking about uh, where our, our future is headed. And uh, we're seeing, to your point, kids sign up to these apps. They don't know the implications of them. And I think the, uh, the implications are far and wide when we think about our mental health crises, you know, kids being on social media uh, and signing up to things that they have no clue that they're signing up to. We need to be uh, thoughtful about these things, and uh, I would certainly love to, to, to serve. And I think my lens and my experience, but also my, uh, my ability to navigate some of these technological advances um, is something that I'd, I'd love to, uh, to, to contribute to as a member of Congress. We're going to ask an economy uh, and labor question uh, right now. And it's funny how these interviews all can tie into local news stories. One of the local news stories we're carrying this morning, about 100 truck workers for the Yellow Transportation Company and also uh, uh, their subsidiary New Penn Motor Express, uh, laying off 100 workers at the uh, Diamond Hill Road Terminal in Cumberland and also the Plainfield Pike Terminal in Cranston. So there's a national story Yellow Transportation Company, you've seen their trucks around a million times, coming down into Rhode Island, affecting Rhode Island workers. It's a labor issue, and it's also an economy issue in the sense that um, this is a big company, and we need those uh, trucks and freight trains on the rails and on the road to um, bring the um, the goods to uh, the American public. So in your um, in your website, you talk about 
strengthening our economy and moving our working class families forward. Can you tie in this story to um, to what you have on your on your agenda for Congress? Yes, uh, this story is very unfortunate, and it, it happens far, far too often where, you know, swaths of the workforce get laid off, and uh, it, it just contributes to, to, to what is wrong with our economy right now. And unfortunately, what we've seen in this country is uh, uh, these, these biggest issues intertwined with the economy continue to happen over and over and over again. And I think it's tied to to one of our biggest issues, which is income inequality and poverty. You know, there are people in these communities who uh, they, they rely on these incomes. They're working in many cases, paycheck to paycheck. And if they lose their job, uh, it, 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 it's hard to, 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 to do what they need to do uh, for their families. And I think that is, that is uh, an unfortunate reality that we need to correct. Uh, when we think about the cost of housing, when we think about health care, when we think about child care, when we think about going to the grocery store and, and buying a carton of milk, everything is so much more expensive these days and it's plaguing the state and we need real solutions to address these issues. Uh, with, with this particular issue, I would say it, it comes down to labor protection. Uh, and that's why I would support the PRO Act. It's a piece of federal legislation that would expand protections for employees who want to organize and collectively bargain and unionize in the, in the workplace. Uh, and also ensures that there's, there's just cause around some of these, uh, these, uh, these, these, uh, firings, uh, because it's, it, 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 no one should be in that position. And working families are being squeezed every single day while, uh, you know, these corporations are getting some massive tax breaks and other folks suffer the consequences of their grief. So we need to make sure that there's fairness in the system. We need to make sure that we're protecting labor rights and we need to make sure that uh, we're putting Rhode Island workers first. All right, let's talk about the Ward 1 in Providence. Um, uh, I'm going to be uh, there next week uh, to take the uh, the ferry from uh, Providence out to Newport. Uh, the train station is in your um, is in your district. Uh, that you you've got downtown Wayland's Wayland Square area, College Hill, and um, also Story um, uh, District. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got all the good parts. Uh, yeah. <laughs> let me uh, let me ask you this question. The reason I'm 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 singling out that is that um, you don't have uh, Atwell's Avenue in Federal Hill, but this is a national issue. Whether it's uh, Chicago, uh, whether it's Los Angeles or Philadelphia or Washington uh, D.C., and that is uh, crime. And here in Woonsocket, we sit and and we do the the news every morning, and and um, you know it's like another shooting in Providence and so forth. And this is not a city council question for you, Mr. Gonzalez. Although uh, as a sitting city council member, I guess you have to deal with it. But this is a federal issue. What can uh, John Gonzalez sitting in Washington do to help uh, Providence and, and other neighborhoods? Um, I mean, we had our own shooting up in here in Wasaga. It's not like that, that uh, we don't um, uh, get immune from that stuff. What can the federal government do to kind of uh, temper this, or is this something uh, new in American life that we just have to deal with? 
Uh, I don't agree with with uh, with with that approach. I'm I've never been a guy who throws my hands up and says, "Well, there's nothing we can do about that." Um, so if I go to Washington and when we go to Washington, um, I'm going to try to do everything that I can to address this issue. Uh, the the plight of gun violence, particularly in cities across America, needs to be addressed, and it needs to be addressed. Uh, uh, with with full strength and with every uh, fiber of our of our being, because uh, it's undermining public safety. And let's let's be frank, uh, Providence is uh, a safe city. Uh, where I represent, you know, we're we're, we're proud to to have um, a very very safe neighborhood. But it's not the reality for some of my my colleagues on the on the Providence City Council. We have to deal with this. Uh, on a daily basis, to your point, Roger. And the way that we address it is by being proactive and uh, and also trying to address this gun violence issue in our in our country. You know, I, I know people have been ravaged by gun violence, and those families can't be limited just to thoughts and prayers. Uh, and we ultimately need to uh, stand up to the NRA and the gun lobby. Uh, it's why I support Gavin Newsom's 28th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution to enshrine uh, some gun safety laws uh, in, in place. And it's, it's why I also support a federal mandate on universal background checks and uh, red flag laws and also safe storage laws uh, that uh, would help keep people safe. And I also support the banning of the purchase of assault weapons. Uh, you mentioned the incident that we had downtown that was prompted by someone uh, threatening to use a, a, a rifle. And, um, look, it, we people should be able to exercise their, their Second Amendment rights. There's no question about that. Um, but uh, weapons of war have absolutely no business in our streets. And, uh, unfortunately, the issue that's plaguing cities across America where we, we just have too many guns on our streets, and we need to address that issue as, as an important uh, root cause to some of the violence and crime that we're experiencing in our local communities. Well, John, this is a tough question. Uh, as listeners of uh, this program know over the years, uh, I'm a registered Democrat. Um, and I do that out of respect, as I've told our audience many times, to my mother who uh, said that you better stay a Democrat or else. And so, <laughs> so, so I am a Democrat, and, uh, and I will be participating in the Democrat primary in September. Problem is, uh, here I am sitting and doing this talk show every day, and I've had uh, this uh, interesting experience of interviewing so many of uh, the candidates for the 1st Congressional District. And I don't like to um, pigeonhole anybody or put anybody in a particular category, but... Um, you're going to have to, in my opinion, uh, based on what I heard uh, on uh, that interview on public radio uh, and the interview uh, here, you're going to have to uh, you're going to have to position yourself uh, with Sandra Cano uh, and Don Carlson and I would say uh, Sabina Matos and uh, Aaron uh, Regenberg. What uh, I don't want to call you a progressive. You can call yourself anything you want, as a matter of fact. But but if I wanted to. Uh, vote for one of those people uh, that I just mentioned, including you. Why are you better than than the others? Uh, because so many of their positions are somewhat similar. 
Well, that's a good question. I think I approach everything, especially given my experience at the municipal level, with with a lot of nuance. So, in fact, um, I don't subscribe to labels. I think that's the problem with our democracy. We are so divided. There's so much polarization in Washington. And I think that's the issue. I mean, you you get put in a box and and then... uh, it, it, it results in, in, in people um, judging you in a certain way, and I think that's not how uh, governing works. Governing means working for everybody, and it also means listening. And there's a, there's a vast uh, constituency out there, and there, there are lots of disparate opinions. So being a representative... Uh, requires deep listening, but also really understanding where your constituency stands on, on an issue and making sure that you're, you're putting the interests and needs of your constituency first. But I would say with regards to um, me and some of the other candidates, I, I think there are some very, very important distinctions. So uh, me being a legislator, having that legislative experience, is uh, an important distinction. Me growing up in Rhode Island is a very important distinction. You know, I've got connections and deeply rooted connections that I think some of the other candidates simply don't have because, you know, I've I've lived here my entire life. Uh, But I think the other uh, important distinction is that I'm not accepting corporate PACs or fossil fuel money, and our campaign support is coming from the people of this district. We've raised over $150,000 in grassroots contributions without uh, the support from Washington or special interests. And it's coming from small grassroots supporters in district because the people of the district should decide who wins this election, not Washington elite. And I think people resonate with that. They don't want someone who is, uh, is, is in that seat and uh, is, is being... Uh, kind of bought and sold by the special interests of Washington. They want someone who's just like them. And uh, my style of leadership is about bringing people together, making sure that everyone has a seat at the table. And I'll tell you, when I won my first election, I was outspent four to one. And a lot of the pundits counted me out. This feels very, very uh, similar where we ran a grassroots campaign, we mobilized people, we got people to get to the polls, and we we won that election with 60% of the vote. Now, with the number of people in this um, in this election, I don't think that's gonna uh, gonna gonna happen in terms of uh, a, a large margin. But I would say our deeply rooted connections in the community. Uh, and also, uh, some of the things that, uh, that I mentioned uh, prior is going to give us an incredible path to victory. And I just want to remind your listeners of one thing that I think is very much overlooked in this race. The east side, or the city of Providence, is a large voting block here. It, it's a significant electoral block. There, I I can't remember a congressperson who has won congressional district one without winning the east side. And I think when you think about how the votes are going to be split in this election, if you can't win the east side, I just don't think you can win this election. And that's where our strongest base of support is. But we're also getting out to every other single community in in in, in the cities and towns across CD one. 
And I think that's a huge differentiator that is going to ultimately put us over the top on Election Day. All right. You've made that distinction. Thank you. Um, from uh, one of our listeners here, uh, let me pull it up again here. It faded from my screen. Good morning, Roger. And good morning, Council Member Gonzalez. Thank you for your candid answer, John, regarding the Matos signature scandal. She should be held accountable. On to my question. What's your input regarding uh, Biden? Uh, uh, I guess Biden economics uh, is what she's referring to. Um, what uh, is your input regarding uh, the um, ISO she refers to? I'm not exactly sure what that means. She says so far it's a flop. Your thoughts, please. I guess uh, maybe uh, whether uh, you're a big supporter of Joe Biden or uh, whether, in fact, um, you would like to see a, a few changes. I guess a, a good Democrat could answer that uh, without any problem. You're on, John. Absolutely. I think uh, we sh- we're feeling... Uh, the the impact of the economy and unfortunately uh, there are things that that people aren't uh, particularly thrilled about uh, with the administration and also the way that our economy is working here in Rhode Island but but, but what I would say is um, there there are a lot of critical initiatives that uh, this this uh, administration has been very successful with. So when we think about the bipartisan in- infrastructure law, when we think about the uh, uh, Inflation Reduction Act, that's had some important uh, important implications on local cities and towns. And I'll just give you a perfect example. In Providence, the city of Providence, was the beneficiary of over $166 million in, in, in uh, federal government dollars that we injected into our local economy to keep it afloat during the the COVID pandemic. We were able to spur a lot of important initiatives, bring millions of dollars of of funding to uh, various community centers and parks and also advance some of the important issues that we care about. And I think that's largely in in part due to the administration, but also our our federal uh, delegation. And um, I would say there, there are challenges with every administration, uh, but I would say that we are certainly benefiting. Unfortunately, those benefits take a lot more time than, than in my opinion, they, they, they should. So I, I'm going to be patient and optimistic. I think we, we have a lot of time to see how uh, it, it, it plays out, but I do know that we've been able to benefit in many ways. It's just that not it it doesn't feel like it's it, it it's really uh, uh, reaching the pocketbooks of everyday Rhode Islanders and I, I think uh, so the, the other part of this question was uh, about the uh, the ISO and I'm, I'm assuming um, your listener here is um, is is talking about um, uh, the, the distributed ledger technology in ISO? I don't know. <laughs> but okay, so why, so if you assume that, uh, that's good enough for me. You can you can uh, uh, finish off the uh, question with uh, that response. Yes, yeah, so that's connected to, you know, national uh, security and national cybersecurity uh, and the Department of Treasury's office, uh, I believe, uh, financial research um is contributing uh, essentially financial data standards um, to to work on addressing issues of digital identity and digital assets, and and also uh, uh, 
the technology in, in ISO. So I, I believe that's what your 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 um, your listeners is 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 talking about here. And I think those are uh, strategic uh, principles that will ensure uh, the integrity of. Um, our, our, our national security and cybersecurity uh, uh, challenges and also ensure uh, success in uh, U.S. innovation, not only domestically, but also abroad. Another uh, John Gonzalez issue. So let's talk about uh, Governor Healy from Massachusetts. A statewide emergency. And uh, the problem uh, in particular but we're going to talk about it in generalities uh, for you. The problem in particular is Haitian refugees in Massachusetts. Uh, they don't have enough housing to uh, handle the influx of these refugees into the state. She's declared an emergency so she can get federal funding. Hey, we're talking to a federal candidate here, John Gonsalves. So when you talk about housing and housing affordability in your platform, of running for Congress, you hear the governor uh, in Massachusetts saying, help us out here. Of course, that problem, I'm not sure how it was created. We see the encampments in downtown Providence. Um, I don't know if it was in Ward 1 being removed. Mayor Lisa Baldelli-Hunt on the Channel 10 news conference with Gene Velicente over the weekend saying, hey, we've got a homeless problem, housing problem here in Wasaukee. We brought in a bus to solve the problem. Woo! This is the biggie. Go ahead, John. Yes, it, it is the biggie. Uh, that uh, encampment was not in Ward 1. Okay, uh, good. Good so for I, you. So, <laughs> so, so I'm just going to uh, correct the, the, the record there. But I think uh, the, the issue here is housing affordability. And, in fact, uh, everywhere I go across this state, uh, in every city and town, they're talking about housing affordability. You know, I was just down in, in Little Compton, and they were saying the same thing. Uh, you know, you go to some of these other cities and towns, everyone is reeling from housing affordability. Uh, and we have a, a responsibility to ensure that we are uh, uh, developing more housing, but affordable housing that, that, that people can afford in their local cities and towns. And I think what a lot of people have shared with me, regardless of, of what community they're, they're in, is they're feeling squeezed and they're, you know, outsiders who are coming into the market. I mean, I say that respectfully. You know, people who, you know, don't have a connection to the area but um, uh, or deep-rooted connection to the area. And uh, they're, they're pricing out uh, the people who have, been long-term residents. You know, I see that in Providence where, you know, we just did a reevaluation on properties and, um, you know, you've got a lot of elderly people, for example, on a fixed income who can't afford to pay more in property taxes. Uh, at the local level, I've always been about fairness and I don't think it is fair to push any burden or additional burden on, uh, on, onto people particularly around the taxation side. It's why I've always, you know, pushed my alma mater, Brown University, to pay their fair share so we can alleviate some of that burden on everybody else uh, in, in, in the city. But I would say we have an incredible, an incredible track record around housing development, particularly in Ward 1. 
I like to remind people that Ward 1 is the fastest-growing district and ward, not only in the city of Providence, but in the state of Rhode Island. We have over a 1,000-plus residential units coming online, uh, a mix of market rate, uh, affordable housing uh, to uh, address this affordability uh, crisis. But also, we are growing from an economic development perspective faster than, than any, other, any other district in the state. We have uh, 600,000 square feet of life sciences wet lab space that is going to be coming online uh, in the next uh, couple of fiscal years. We are a model for the rest of Rhode Island. And I would say, uh, broadly, we need to really be cognizant of the nuances of each local community. Uh, and that's what I've done at the local level where, you know, College Hill is very different than Fox Point and Fox Point is very different than the Jewelry District. But where we can uh, have density, uh, so places like the, the Jewelry District or downtown, we, we ought to. But we also want to be cognizant of the balance and also not undermining what makes a certain community is great. So College Hill is a very different, um, it's very different vibe in terms of, you know, historic preservation, in terms of, you know, maintaining beautiful, you know, single family homes. And that's what makes uh, our, 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 our city and our, our state great. Uh, but with regards to just housing at, at, at the federal level, there are a number of important uh, policies that we ought to be, uh, 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 um, championing at the at the federal level, and one is you know expanding uh, housing opportunities. So the uh, the American Housing and Economic Mobility Act is a perfect example, where you know most American families are uh, dedicating the majority of their income to housing, and this is a way to to uh, to, to mitigate that. The act would invest four uh, four hundred forty. $5 billion in a housing trust fund uh, dedicated to building more housing. It would invest uh, $25 billion in the capital uh, magnet fund, which is a fund dedicated to building new homes for middle-class families. Uh, and with this kind of funding, more than 835,000 homes could be constructed all across, uh, all across the nation. So we need to be really thinking about ways that uh, we can build more affordable housing um, and, and be considerate of, of the local zoning laws and, and municipalities and their interests, but also uh, think about how we can use housing as a, as a key mechanism of accumulating wealth uh, for, for, for families. John, um, so oh, I, I very much look forward to addressing this issue uh, and leveraging federal resources to uh, attack this issue and address it head on. So we're right at the end of the interview, and um, and you said, uh, uh, you know, uh, Ward 1 is different, uh, the, the jury district is different from uh, Fox Point, and, and Northern Rhode Island and the audience of this talk show is, is different than uh, other radio stations. So you notice... I didn't ask you about women's uh, and reproductive rights. It doesn't come up. It is an issue nationally, and I know you're addressing it. But one of the things on your campaign uh, literature is seniors. Plenty of those, and they're interested in plenty of issues for seniors. And I'd like you to wrap up by saying in uh, about a minute and a half, 
Uh, what can you do for seniors? Because uh, they're saying, you know, I might vote for this guy if uh, he's uh, uh, if he understands our dile- dilemma. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and the, and seniors are. I I just I can't thank our seniors enough um, for what they have to undergo in this in this country and how they're not necessarily being supported in the ways that they should by our. Our, our federal government, and that's something that I would I would change. Uh, the seniors of our community are, are they're, they're the backbones of our communities, and I care deeply about our seniors. It's why you'll see it on our on our on our campaign platform, and it's something that's often overlooked. But one of the things uh, there, and there are a number of things that I that I should mention here. You got a minute, <laughs> uh, but I'll, I'll, I'll keep it quick. We need to improve access to benefits for our seniors. That means expanding Social Security. It means uh, expanding eligibility. It means simplifying and coordinating benefits for our seniors, improving the outreach and enrollment for our seniors, adjusting benefit levels to meet uh, their needs. And I think uh, what we also need to do is put Medicare home and community-based services on an equal footing with institutional services. And that also means uh, making sure that we are providing additional assistance, whether it's tax credits or paid medical leave, to caregivers who are taking care of our seniors. I think we do, we need to do everything in our power to invest in our seniors, to make sure that they're living with equity and income security, and we have a very, very robust platform that's going to address some of the challenges that our seniors uh, face. But I want to go back to Social Security really briefly because Social Security is something that is, uh, unfortunately, you hear about it being on the chopping block. And I think that is absolutely despicable. The fact that you have people uh, in Congress that are saying they want to cut Social Security, I would not allow that to happen. I would vote to expand Social Security because uh, for the the past 80 years, Social Security has, and without fail, paid out every benefit owed to eligible Americans in a timely manner, and people rely on that. But we need more. And uh, Social Security has lifted over 25 million citizens out of poverty. It's something that our seniors rely on. And uh, the expansion of Social Security or the Social Security Expansion Act actually calls for uh, a benefits increase for some of our seniors uh, at uh, 2400 annually. And I would support that at the federal level because we need to put our seniors first. They deserve it. And that's the kind of congressman that I would be for our seniors. Hope you enjoyed our interview today, John. I hope we covered uh, issues that uh, will make our uh, voters uh, who listen to this program uh, aware of what you stand for and uh, possibly uh, put you uh, in the um, in the Congress of the United States. Um, September 5th primary, November the general election. Good luck, okay? Thank you for chatting with us. Thank you so much, Roger, and congratulations on over 60 years of service. I'm a huge fan, and uh, you have a great, great radio show, and I look forward to coming back on. Okay, and I hope you can make it on uh, August 30th to our meet uh, and greet. You probably already signed in. I haven't talked to your campaign people, but uh, hopefully I can meet you in person that day. Good day. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. John Gonsalves, candidate for Congress, 1st Congressional District. Booyah in the primary, September 5. Hope you enjoyed our interview with him. Next week, we're going to talk to some of the Republican candidates 
and then try to uh, fill in with the uh, one or two candidates that uh, on the Democrat side that we haven't gotten to. It's been interesting. See you tomorrow on the Upfront Program. This has been WNRI's Upfront, presented weekday mornings at 8 a.m. Upfront is a regular public affairs presentation of News Talk 1380, WNRI Woonsocket.